Poem of the Man God, Book 1, Number 5, Birth of the Virgin Mary, continued. And Jesus gives a dictation. Rise and make haste, my little friend. I am longing to take you with me on the heavenly contemplation of Mary's virginity. You will emerge from this experience with your soul as fresh as if you too were created at the moment by the Father, a little Eve not yet aware of the flesh. You will emerge with your soul filled with light because you will plunge into God's masterpiece. You will emerge with your whole being saturated in love because you will have understood the degree to which God can love. To speak of the conception of Mary, the Immaculate, means to penetrate the sky, light, love. Come and read her glories in the book of the ancestor. God possessed me at the beginning of his works, it says, from the beginning before creation. From everlasting I was firmly set in the beginning, before earth came into being. The deep did not yet exist, and I was already conceived. The springs did not yet gush with water, and the mountains had not yet risen in their huge masses. Neither were the hills jewels in the sun when I came to birth. God had not yet made the earth, the rivers, and the foundation of the world, and I was there. When he prepared the heavens, I was present. When with immutable laws he enclosed the deep under the surface, when he fixed the heavens firm and he su suspended there the springs of water, when he assigned the sea its boundaries and gave laws to the waters, when he ordered the waters not to invade the shore, when he laid down the foundations of the earth, I was with him, arranging everything. I always played joyfully in his presence. I played in the universe. You applied these words to wisdom, but they speak of her, the beautiful mother, the holy mother, the virgin mother of wisdom that I am, who am now speaking to you. I wanted you to write the first line of the song at the top of the book that speaks of her, that she might be contemplated and the consolation and joy of God might be known. The reason for the constant, perfect, intimate delight of this God, one and triune, who rules and loves you, and who received from man so many reasons for being sad. The reason why he perpetuated the human race, even when at the first test humanity deserved to be destroyed. The reason for the forgiveness you have received. To have Mary that loved him. Oh, it was well worth creating man and allowing him to exist and decreeing to forgive him, to have the beautiful virgin, the holy virgin, the immaculate virgin, the loving virgin, the beloved daughter, the most pure mother, the loving spouse. God has given you so much and would have given you even more to possess the creature of his delight, the son of his son, the flower of his garden. And he continues to give you so much on account of her, at her request, and for her joy, because her joy flows into the joy of God and increases it with flashes that fill the light, the great light of paradise, with brilliant sparkles, and every sparkle is a grace to the universe, to mankind, to the blessed souls who reply with a jubilant cry of Alleluia to each generation of divine miracle, created by the desire of the Blessed Trinity to see the sparkling smile of joy of the Virgin. God desired to put a king in the universe that he had created out of nothing, a king who by the nature of matter should be the first amongst all the creatures created with matter and endowed with matter, a king who by nature of the spirit should be little less than divine, 
united to grace as he was in his first innocent day. But the supreme mind, to whom all the most remote events in centuries are known, incessantly sees what was, is, and will be, and while it contemplates the past and observes the present, it penetrates deeply with its foresight into the most distant future and knows in every detail how the last man will die. Without confusion or discontinuity, the supreme mind has always known that the king created to be demigod at its side in heaven, heir of the father, would arrive adult in his kingdom after living in the house of his mother, the earth, which was he, with which he was made, during his childhood, as child of the eternal father for his day on earth. The supreme mind has always known that man would have committed against himself the crime of killing grace in himself and the theft of robbing himself of heaven. Why, then, did he create him? Certainly many ask themselves why. Would you have preferred not to exist? Does this day not deserve in itself to be lived, although so poor and bare and rendered harsh by your wickedness, so that you may know and admire the infinite beauty that the hand of God has sown in the universe. For whom would he have created the stars and planets that fly like thunderbolts and arrows, furrowing the vault of heaven, or dash majestically in their rush of meteors, and yet seem slow, presenting you with light and seasons, eternally immutable and yet always mutable? They give you a new page to read on the sky every morning, every evening, every month, every year, as if they wished to say, forget your restriction, forsake your printed matter, which is full of obscure, putrid, dirty, poisonous, false, swearing, corrupting material, and rise, at least with your eyes, to the unlimited freedom of the firmament. Make your souls bright looking at so clear a sky. Build up a supply of light to take to your dark prison. Read the word that we write, singing our sidereal chorus, which is more harmonious than the one drawn from a cathedral organ. The word that we write while shining, the word that we write while loving, because we always bear in mind him who gave us the joy of existing, and we love him for giving us our existence, our brightness, our movement, our freedom, our beauty in the midst of the gentle azure, beyond which we can see an even more sublime blue paradise. And we fulfill the second part of his commandment of love by loving you, our universal neighbors, loving you by giving you guidance and light, warmth and beauty. Read the word, we say, the one on which we modulate our singing, our brightness, our smile, God. For whom we would he have made the blue sea, the mirror of the sky, the way to the land, the smile of waters, the voice of waves? The sea itself is a word, that with the rustling of silk, with the smiles of happy girls, with the sighs of old people who remember and weep, with the clamor of violence, with clashes and roars, always speaks and says, God, the sea is for you, as the sky and the stars are, and with the sea, the lakes and the rivers, the ponds and the streams, the pure springs, all of which serve to nourish you, to quench your thirst, to clean you, and they serve you, serving their creator, without submerging you as you deserve. For whom would he have made the countless families of animals, the beautifully colored birds that fly singing, and other animals that, like servants, run, work, nourish you, and succor you their kings? 
for whom would he have created the countless families of plants and flowers that look like butterflies, like gems and motionless birds, and the families of fruits that are like jewels or jewel cases and are a carpet for your feet, and the trees that form shelters for your heads, a welcome relaxation and joy to your minds, your limbs, your sight and smell? For whom would he have made the minerals in the bowels of the earth and the salts dissolved in cold and boiling springs, the iodines and bromines, unless one should enjoy them, one who was not God but the Son of God, one man? The joy of God lacked nothing. God had no need. He is sufficient in himself. He has only to contemplate himself, to rejoice, to nourish himself, to live, to rest. The whole creation has not increased by one atom his infinite joy, beauty, life, power. He made everything for the creature that he wanted to place as king in the wor work made by him. That creature is man. It is worthwhile living to see such a work of God and to be grateful to his power that gives you the opportunity. And you must be grateful to be alive. You should have been grateful even if you had to wait till doomsday to be redeemed because you have been prevaricators, proud, lascivious, and murderers in your first parents, and you are still so individually. Yet God allows you to enjoy the beauty of the universe, the goodness of the universe, and he treats you as if you were good children, who are taught and granted everything so that their lives might be happier and more pleasant. What you know, you know by the light of God. What you discover, you discover through the guidance of God in goodness. Other knowledge and discoveries that bear the mark of evil come from the supreme evil, Satan. The supreme mind that knows everything before man existed knew that man would be a thief and a self-murderer. And as the eternal goodness has no limits in being good, before guilt existed, he thought of the means to obliterate guilt. The means, I, the word. The instrument to render the means an efficient instrument, Mary, and the Virgin was created in the sublime mind of God. Everything was created for me, beloved Son of the Father. I, King, should have had under my divine royal feet carpets and jewels such as no royal palace had, and songs and voices and servants and ministers around me as no sovereign ever possessed, and flowers and gems, all the sublime, the greatness, the kindness that may derive from the thought of a God. But I was to be flesh as well as spirit, flesh to save the flesh, flesh to sublime the flesh, taking it to heaven many centuries before its time, because the flesh inhabited by the spirit is God's masterpiece, and heaven had already been made for it. In order to become flesh, I needed a mother. To be God, it was necessary that the father was God. Then God created his spouse and said to her, Come with me, at my side, See what I am doing for our son. Look and rejoice, eternal virgin, eternal maiden, and may your smile fill this empyrean and give the angels their starting note and teach paradise celestial harmony. I am looking at you, and I see you as you will be, immaculate woman, who are now only a spirit, the spirit in which I rejoice. I am looking at you, and I give the sea and the firmament the blue of your eyes, the holy corn the color of your hair, whiteness to the lily and a rosy color to the rose, like your silky skin. 
I copy the pearls from your minute teeth. I make the sweet strawberries watching your mouth, and I give the nightingale your notes and the turtle doves your weeping. And reading your future thoughts and listening to the throbs of your heart, I have the motive of guidance in creating. Come, my joy, have the world as a plaything, as long as you will be the dancing light of my thought. Have the worlds for your smile, have wreaths and necklaces of stars, place the moon under your gentle feet, make Galatia your stellar scarf. The stars and planets are for you. Come and enjoy looking at the flowers that will be a childish joy for your baby and a pillow for the sun of your womb. Come and see sheep and lambs, eagles and doves being created. Stay beside me when I make the hollows of the seas and grooves of the rivers, and I raise the mountains, and I adorn them with snow and forests. Stay here while I sow fudders and trees and vines, and I make the olive tree for you, my peaceful one, and the vine for you, my vine branch, who will bear the Eucharistic bunch of grapes. Run, fly, rejoice, my beauty, and may the universe which is created hour by hour learn from you to love me, my love, and may it become more beautiful, owing to your smile, mother of my son, queen of my paradise, love of your God. And again, seeing the fault and admiring the faultless one, come to me, you who wipe out the bitterness of human disobedience, of human fornication with Satan, and of human ingratitude. I will take with you my revenge over Satan. God, the Father Creator, had created man and woman with such a perfect law of love that you cannot even understand its perfection any longer, and you become lost in wondering how the human species would have come to be if man had not been taught by Satan how to obtain it. Look at the fruit and seed plants. Do they produce seed and fruit by means of fornication, by means of one fecundation out of one hundred copulations? No. The pollen emerges, emerges from the male flower, and driven by a complex of meteoric and magnetic laws, it proceeds to the ovary of the female flower. The latter opens, receives it, and produces. It does not pollute itself and then refuse it, as you do, to enjoy the same sensation the following day. It produces, and until the new season, it does not get pollinated, and when it does, it is only to produce. Look at the animals, all of them. Have you ever seen a male animal and a female one approach each other for a sterile embrace and lascivious dealings? No. From near or far, they fly, crawl, jump, or run. They go when it is time to the fecundation rite. Neither do they evade stopping at the pleasure, but they go further to the serious and holy consequences of the offspring, the only reason that should cause a man, a demigod, by his origin of grace which I have made complete, to accept the animality of the act necessary since you descended by one degree towards animals. You do not act as plants and animals do. You had as your teacher Satan. You wanted him as your teacher, and you still want him. And the works you do are what one would expect of the teacher you wanted. Had you been faithful to God, you would have had the joy of children in a holy way, without pain, without exhausting yourselves in obscene and shameful intercourses, which even beasts are unacquainted with, although beasts are without a reasoning and spiritual soul. To man and woman, corrupted by Satan, 
God decided to oppose the man born of a woman, whom God had supersublimed to such an extent that she generated without knowing a man, a flower that generates a flower without the need of a seed, by a unique kiss of the sun on the inviolated chalice of the lily, Mary. The Revenge of God Hiss, O Satan, your hatred, while she comes into the world. This child has beaten you. Before you were the rebel, the twister, the corrupter, you were already beaten, and she was your conqueror. One thousand assembled armies are of no avail against your power. The arms of men fall before your scales, O perennial one, and there is no wind capable of dispersing the stench of your breath. And yet, the heel of this child, which is so rosy as to look like the inside of a rosy camellia, and is so smooth and soft that silk seems coarse in comparison, and is so small that it could enter the chalice of a tulip and make itself a tiny shoe with that vegetable satin. That heel is crushing your head without any fear and relegates you to your den. And her cry causes you to flee away, although you are not afraid of armies. And her breath purifies the world of your foul smell. You are defeated. Her name, her look, her purity are a lance, a thunderbolt that pierces you and demolishes you and imprisons you in the den of your hell, O cursed one, who deprived God of the joy of being the father of all men created. In vain you have corrupted them, who had been created innocent, leading them to knowledge and conception by means of the sensuousness of lust, depriving God in his beloved creature of being the benefactor of the children according to rules which, had they been respected, would have been would have kept the balance on earth between sexes and races, a balance capable of averting wars between peoples and calamities between families. By obeying they would have also known love. Nay, only by obeying they would have known love and possessed it, a complete and peaceful possession of this gift from God, who from the supernatural descends to the inferior so that also the flesh may rejoice devoutly, since it is united to the spirit and created by him who created the spirit. Now, men, what is your love? What are your loves? Either lewdness disguised as love, or an incurable fear of losing the love of your partner through her or other people's lewdness. You are never sure of possessing the heart of your husband or wife since lust entered the world and you tremble and cry and become overwrought with jealousy. Sometimes you kill to avenge a betrayal, sometimes you despair, and sometimes you lack will or even become insane. This is what you have done, Satan, to the children of God, those whom you have corrupted, who would have known the joy of having children without suffering any pain and would have experienced the joy of being born without the fear of dying. But now you are beaten in a woman and by a woman. From now on, whoever loves her will become once again God's own, overcoming your temptations to be able to look at her immaculate purity. From now on, mothers, though not able to conceive without pain, will find comfort in her. From now on, she will be the guide of married women and the mother of dying people, so that it will be sweet to die resting on that breast, which is a shield against you, you cursed one, and against the wrath of God. Mary, little voice, you have seen the birth of the virgin's son and the assumption of the virgin to heaven. 
You have therefore seen that the faultless ones are unaware of the pain in giving birth as well as the pain of dying. But if the most innocent mother of God was granted the perfection of celestial gifts, all those who in the first parents had remained innocent and sons of God would have generated without throes as it was fair, having conceived without lust, and they would have died without anxiety. The sublime victory of God over Satan's revenge was to raise the perfection of the beloved creature to a superperfection that should annul, at least in one person, all recollection of humanity, liable to Satan's poison, so that the son should be generated not by a man's chaste embrace, but by a divine embrace that causes the spirit to change color in the ecstasy of fire. The Virgin's Virginity Come, contemplate this deep virginity that gives ecstatic dizziness in its contemplation. What is the poor and forced virginity of a woman that no man married? Less than nothing. What is the virginity of a woman who wanted to be a virgin to belong to God, but is so in her body and not in her spirit, where she allows alien thoughts to enter and entertains allurements of human thoughts? It is a sham virginity, but still very little. What is the virginity of a cloistered nun who lives only for God? Very much, but it is never the perfect virginity when compared with my mother's. There has always been an association, also in the Most Holy One, the original association between spirit and fault, the one that only baptism dissolves. It dissolves it, but as in the case of a woman separated from her husband by his death, it does not render virginity complete such as it was in the first parents before sin. A scar remains and hurts, causing one to remember it, and it is always ready to become a sore like certain diseases that periodically are made worse by their virus. In the Virgin, there is no sign of this dissolved association with the fault. Her soul appears beautiful and intact as when the Father conceived her, gathering all graces in her. She is the Virgin. She is the only one. She is the perfect one, the complete one, conceived as such, generated as such, remaining such, crowned such, eternally such. She is the virgin. She is the acme of intangibility, of purity, of grace that is lost in the abyss from which it emerged, in God, most perfect intangibility, purity, grace. That is the revenge of God, triune and one. Against creatures desecrated, he raises this star to perfection. Against pernicious curiosity, he raises this coy virgin, contented only with loving God. Against the science of evil, this sublime, innocent virgin. In her there is not only no knowledge of dejected love, there is not only non-acquaintance with the love that God had given to married people, much more. In her there is the absence of incentives, of the inheritance of sin. In her there is only the icy and white-hot wisdom of divine love, a fire that strengthens the flesh with ice so that it may be transparent mirror at the altar where God married a virgin and does not lower himself because his perfection embraces her perfection, which, as it becomes a bride, is only inferior to his by one point, subject to him as a woman, but without fault as he is.